Hello, everybody. Rob Fredette here with HodgePod with Rob Fredette, and we're here with our next episode, episode 10. We are here talking Van Halen again, and I have Sean Donovan back again. Uh, totally psyched he's back. He's agreed to come back for another episode. Sean, welcome. We're going to be talking 5150, and we're going to talk about something else after you say hello. Well, I just wanted to say hello, 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 <laughs> hello. 5150, which I believe, if I am correct, is the police code or call for someone who's crazy, flipped out, insane, I think, in L.A. I think it was a California police code or something. So I don't know if that's accurate, but that's I, what I, uh, I think you're right. I and I think I've read that as well. I've read that as well. Um, so in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, the move over from David Lee Roth, who left the band to go on to his solo career. So in the midst of this, uh, the band was looking for a singer. Well, what's uh, if, if I may interject for one brief moment, today is uh, kind of a sad reminder. Yes, it is. Today We're, is two years since, uh, since Eddie passed away. Yes, we are taping this show October 6, 2022, and uh, we did not schedule this on uh, Basically, we uh, figured it out about a couple of hours before we did the broadcast here when we just spoke briefly on the phone. Yes, it's been two years since Eddie Van Halen passed away. It's still shocking uh, when I heard the news, and I know it was for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was pretty bummed out. You know, it's one of those weird things. I, I never never met the guy. I never knew him, obviously, but, you know, still miss him anyway, you know? I agree. I don't know if that makes I any agree. sense, but. Yeah, and uh, one thing I will say about him, um, you know, being a great musician, but he had, out of any rock star that I can remember, and just, you know, basically in his career, he had that it factor, he had charisma, he had charm on television, and he had a warmth about him as well that I think that would resonated with rock fans, uh, just in the videos or interviews that he would do. Um, he was just really, uh, just, he connected with us back in the day when we were following Van Halen and he really just showed a human side, something you don't see with rock and roll bands and stars. I, in my opinion, um, he had that warmth and I think that's what he was all about. And he was the glue that kept that band together. He was totally, um, you know, the base and the foundation for Van Halen. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, he just looked like he was uh, absolutely having the time of his life every time he played. So it, it, to, to me, it just seemed like like I got to see them eight times. I saw them in concert eight times. Uh, so I saw them, you know, with David Lee in the nineteen eighty four tour, and then every year with Sammy, I saw him with Gary Sharon too when they did Van Halen three. I saw that at the, at the Boston Garden, and then I saw them back with David Lee Roth when they played in Manchester. And they did like a greatest hits compilation. And it was funny. They played songs in order from the album. So they started with Van Halen. They played a few off that Van Halen two, women and children, family, et cetera. They just went all along that way. But, uh, um, absolutely, uh, looked like he was having an absolute ball every time, every time I saw him. So that was a crowd. Definitely, definitely feeds off of that. You know? Yeah, and I remember when David Lee Roth left the band, it was like, wow, what, what's going to happen now? Because uh, Sammy Hagar was not in the mix at the time when he left, and it was just like, what's going to happen with the band, and who's going to take over as the lead frontman singer for the band? 
Um, and basically, there must have been some tension there where David Lee Roth left. And uh, I remember reading that uh, they got a referral from their mechanic who fixed their fixed their Lamborghinis that uh, you th- should think about getting Sammy Hagar, his mechanic, told Eddie Van Halen back in that time. And I think that's how it happened. Eddie Van Halen asked uh, Sammy if he would come by, I guess, just looking at uh, the uh, articles and things like that, that Sammy asked Sammy wanted to come by, and I guess they jammed, and they they decided that Sammy was going to be the guy. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, I think I'm not sure if Lamborghinis or Ferraris, but either way, I mean, it's yeah. cars that we, we, you and I can't afford, but anyway. Yeah, I know, um, we can't afford, but uh, that's okay. I mean, I don't mind yeah. – I don't mind using my concert and my, my concert ticket paying and also my uh, my album buying for their Lamborghinis. I was totally in 100% bought in. Absolutely, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I remember David Lee Roth doing all that, that those silly uh, cover tunes too, like uh, California Girls, like the Beach Boys, and, you know, Just a Gigolo and all that, those videos <laughs> on MTV, man, no. Just a gigolo. Yeah, well, Eat Him and Smile. He came out. Actually, he was pretty successful. He had a Eat Him and Smile and Skyscraper, I think, came out in like 87 yeah. or 88. He had a lot of good songs. Paradise. Yeah, he did. He did, uh, yeah. And, so. Uh, he, what was the, uh, Yankee Rose was his first single. That's right. I remember Yankee <clears throat> Rose. Yeah, he had really good musicians, too. And he had Steve I on guitar. And, uh, Greg Bissonette, I think, was his drummer. And then. Uh, Billy Sheehan from Talos on the bass, so he uh, he recruited some uh, heavy uh, heavy musicians, you know. So Sammy Hagar becomes the lead singer of Van Halen, and when you look back at it now, I think he was the perfect fit for the band. Um, he had his own solo career uh, for many years, and he also was the lead singer of Montrose in the seventies. So he was well into the uh, folklore of rock music. Uh, with his fans, with his solo career. Um, he had a lot of great songs on his solo albums in the early 80s. And I think that definitely he was the right pick for uh, for Van Halen. It gave him a different sound. And there was a lot of excitement back then, I remember, when the uh, 5150 came out uh, for that album. And uh, basically it was, uh, it, was, it was a huge, huge hit for the band. Right. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I remember seeing, a, uh, I saw a video of it somewhere. I'm sure you could look it up now with social media, YouTube and everything. Uh, you can find it. But he played like, a, I think it was Live Aid and uh, um, Farm Aid, I think it was, out in the Midwest somewhere. Mm-hmm. And Eddie got up and jammed with, uh, with Sammy. Um, and, uh, you know, they weren't. And he wasn't in the band yet. Sammy wasn't in the band yet, but that uh, you could see that chemistry that they hit it off pretty good. And I will, I will give you this. I mean, I definitely. I mean, I think anyone would agree that Sammy has a much better singing voice than David Lee Roth. Um, I mean, especially live too. Uh, but like in my my impression, my uh, in my opinion, uh, I, you know, David Lee Roth was just a, a cool. Front man. I mean, he was there at the right time, like in the you know late seventies, early mid eighties, you know. Um, but he was definitely the 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 lead front man, in my opinion. But Sammy did have a better voice. Sammy could sing, and Sammy can still sing. I saw him in concert a couple of years back up in New Hampshire. Oh, Guilford, I think I forget the name of the venue, but he played, and uh, Night Ranger opened up for them, which was a lot of fun. But it's he was like Sammy was like seventy years old, and he could still. Belter, he sounded great live. 
That's awesome. So he, uh, yeah, he has, he has a great voice and, uh, yeah, I was excited, uh, to get 5150 when it first came out. Um, uh, a lot of good songs on that. The only thing musically that I didn't like about it was the drum kit that Alex was using. He was using those like Synsonic or electronic mm-hmm. drums or whatever for his toms and everything. And I didn't like that at all. I mean, he had his old snare drum. We're still using that, but uh, everything else was the Synsonic or electronic drums. And I didn't care for that. But the uh, the music, I mean, the you know the guitar and everything else was great. And they had a lot of good, good uh good songs about that and uh i saw them i believe we mentioned you mentioned this they was it 1986 that you saw them yes i saw the 5150 tour yes i found the ticket stub this morning august 14th worcester centrum and i'll get into the playlist and my recollections of that a little bit later but yes sir yeah i i I went to one of those shows too because uh a girl i was seeing at the time girlfriend girl from from the movies from showcase cinemas uh Melissa, little shout out. We went. Uh, it was just her, yeah, it was just her and I. She, yep, worked at worked at the movies. I was an usher. She was a. We called them candy girls, and uh, uh, we dated. And uh, yeah, we went to that show together. And she knew I was a ginormous Van Halen fan. So, um, but uh, yeah, great, great, great show. And um, it was funny. You could see. Uh, the anti David Lee Roth sentiment all over the um, all over the centrum. You know, they people are throwing up posters with David Lee Roth with like the red circle with the line through it. You know, <laughs> kind of like kind of like the, like the Ghostbusters sign. You know, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And Alex Alex would rip up the sign and toss it, and the place would go nuts. But uh, um, yeah, they definitely put on a good show. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, that was a that was a really really good concert. It was yeah. Who and- your um, what are your uh, what are your favorite songs off of that? Well, uh, as a matter of fact, it's funny you ask because today I was listening to the album. Um, Summer Nights is uh, my favorite song off the album. It's got more of a rock feel uh, to it. I mean, they're all rock songs, but they pretty much sounded different. Uh, this album sounded different than their first six albums with David Lee Roth. But um, I also liked uh, Why Can't This Be Love. That was also a good song. Catchy tune, sucks you in for about three and a half minutes. And uh, Dreams, obviously a great one. Love Walks In and Best of Both Worlds. So in that mix, um, I definitely like all those. But Summer Nights is my favorite song off that album. It just uh, has a great guitar, uh, great singing by Sammy. Um, Just really, really powerful rock song. And it, you know... Still play it today. You hear it every now and then, um, but uh, that's my favorite. Yeah, there's um, there's definitely some songs that you still uh, that you will hear them play. Yeah, like you said, why can't this be love? Is one dreams they play a lot. Uh, love walks in. You'll hear on the radio. Uh, Best of both worlds, not so much anymore. Fifty one fifty. The song fifty one fifty is actually a, a great tune, and uh, that's a lot of fun to watch them play that live. Um, but uh, bringing Sammy in, you know, he had, like you said earlier, he had a lot of his uh, own music and his solo career and all that. And they would play some Sammy songs, like they played uh, Only One Way to Rock and uh, I Can't Drive 55. Correct. You know, those are fun tunes. Every time I hear that song on the radio, I just drive like an idiot. So <laughs> I, should probably not, I should probably not listen to it while I drive. But, no, no. Um, yeah, but it, uh, 
he he brought a lot of energy and Sammy just oh, yeah. like you know Sammy seems like the type of guy that would just walk in there like you know you walk into a bar or a restaurant with him whatever and he'd like have no problem shooting the breeze with you you know yeah and um you know David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar they both had that connection with the fans um I've said it in previous episodes there's some rock bands they just don't they they just sing and they do concerts but they don't have a connection uh, Van Halen had that connection with both Sammy and David Lee. I will say that today. Um, Sammy had a great solo career in the early 80s. He had some really strong uh, rock songs. Um, he basically had uh, the Three Lock Box album, uh, which came out, and uh, it was a great, huge success for him. Uh, and then also he had VOA uh, with I Can't Drive 55, which you just mentioned earlier. Um uh, and that I Can't Drive 55 was probably the biggest hit for him um, in the mid-'80s when he was solo. So um, he definitely was on the map. So, uh, again, I contest that he was the perfect fit for Van Halen to carry on if they would have had maybe a singer who might have not have been well-known. May have still done well, but Sammy came in with, uh, with a little cachet. He came in with his his – repertoire from solo career and Montrose. So I think that definitely um, put Van Halen in a different, um, different, I guess you could say different line of music um, with rock and roll. It was a little bit different than their first six albums. And I think uh, 5150 uh, definitely packed a good punch. Right. Right. And Sammy, man, what a voice. I mean, he could hit some of those really, really high notes. Um you know, dreams, you know, at the end of 5150 with the screams and everything. I mean, he, he can get up there pretty good. Um, great voice, you know. And uh, like you said, charisma, good uh, relationship with the crowd. Um, when you saw them at Worcester, when during the beginning of Best of Both Worlds, did they do the 5150 walk across the front of the stage? Well, I got the playlist. Uh, yeah, and I got the uh, I got the set list here from the show I went to. They did fifty one fifty, a bass solo, Panama, and then best of both worlds. So, um, it, it they they do you, prob- have the, do you have the whole list? I do. I have the list from the concert I went to. So I'll go ahead. Oh, and we'll let's, go. Ahead. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. So yeah. And real quick, the Worcester Centrum. Okay. So we grew up like in northern Massachusetts, right near the. At least I did. I know you did. Uh, right near the New Hampshire border. Worcester yes, Centrum sir. from my house, when we used to go see shows, and I went to the Centrum a lot, and I'm sure you did, 56 miles each way. I just looked it up on Google today to see how – that's a 56 each way. That's a long, long trip going. It was that 495, was it to 290 or something yep, like that? Yep. yep, 495 to 290. You get that yep, right. Yep, and then remember seeing you, you pull into Worcester, and you'd see the, the, the Centrum, I believe it was on the right-hand side. you see Holy Cross uh, – Holy Cross on the left-hand side up on the hill, and then you would see, like, the little skyline of Worcester, the downtown Worcester area. But that was a new, new arena back in the 80s because the Boston Garden, you know, was this old, drabby place, um, and Worcester really had the show. So here's the playlist. Sorry I got off on that tangent there, but I had to look that up. Yeah. 56 miles to Worcester from North Andover, Mass. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I lived in I, li- I lived in Methuen, grew up in Methuen, so I was right on the Methuen Salem, New Hampshire line. So yeah, you were a little bit farther. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a drive, but always worth it. You always loved going. The ride home sucked as always, but <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. Like you know. eleven o'clock at night, you get home at like one in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's 
whatever. I don't think I could do that now. No way. So uh, it's funny because I had a friend from high school texted me just the other night. Um, You know, he's been uh, listening or following on uh, Facebook. And he said, you remember going to the concert, Van Halen concert? I said, yes, I do. And that was in between my sophomore and junior year in college. So it was right before I was going to the University of Maryland for my junior year. And uh, I was excited about going to school at the University of Maryland. And this concert kind of like set me off to get ready. But uh, first song was You Really Got Me um, off their first, uh, first, uh, yeah, there we go. You Really Got Me. There's Only One Way to Rock. That's a Sammy song. So he went uh, Sammy. Summer Nights, my favorite 5150 song. Get Up, Drum Solo, Dreams, 5150, A Bass Solo, Panama, Best of Both Worlds, Love Walks In, Good Enough. That's a good song, too. Guitar solo, I Can't Drive, 55, Ain't Talking About Love. And then they had an encore. They sang Wild Thing by the Trogs, Why Can't This Be Love, off of 5150. And they did a cover of Rock and Roll of Led Zeppelin to end the show. Oh. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they definitely did. Uh, it was fun when they would do cover tunes. When I do you remember them? Um, I think it was fifty one fifty, the fifty one fifty tour. They they just did a little messing around with uh, "Addicted to Love" by Robert Palmer. I don't they played, be, like. I don't maybe remember like a that third of it. I think that was eighty six. If not, it was it was eighty eight. It was one too, but it was one of those two shows because I think "Addicted to Love" was out. In '86, maybe. Yeah, it, uh, right. yeah. It, Addicted to Love was out in '86, and they started playing it, and they just bum 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 bum. It was just funny watching. They didn't finish it; they just kind of <laughs> they stopped playing. And they were all laughing about it, but you so, know, yeah. So looking at the, uh, you know, that concert. What I remember about that concert, a few things. I remember Sammy yelling fifty-one fifty quite a bit. Uh, I remember oh, Mike, yeah. Michael yeah. Anthony had the Jack Daniels bass guitar, and I remember him drinking Jack Daniels on stage. Um, they had the bottle right out there, and I just remember it was totally packed at the Centrum, and I remember walking out. It was like a stampede. I mean, people probably obviously were drinking, and uh, it was like, I'm surprised. Like If, no, you, were cla- if, you, were, if you were claustrophobic and walking out of that Centrum, that concourse was absolutely wall-to-wall people and i thought they were going to be like people were screaming and yelling and having a good time and i was like i just want to get out of here (laughs) oh yeah yeah. yep so do you remember them doing the uh the 5150 walk at best of both worlds the beginning i don't remember i don't remember that um i do remember playing uh him playing i can't drive 55 um and basically what it's summer nights uh, I remember him doing a couple of Sammy songs uh, during that because uh, they pretty much didn't do anything from the early the early albums. You really got me. Ain't talking about love and Panama were the only three right. that they did from the David Lee Roth era. And I think, yeah, well, you you knew they wouldn't do that though. You know, first album with Sammy, you know, they definitely wouldn't uh, throw in a bunch of old stuff. You know, well, yeah, they didn't want they they. My understanding from what I read is that they didn't want anything to do with uh, David Lee Roth. That was pretty much from the band itself. Um, they wanted, this is a new era for the band. And um, I think they put their foot down and said, Hey, we're Van Halen and we're going to keep rolling and rocking. Um, 
Got a, a review here from All Music Stephen Ertlewine, who we heard from in our early episode. He noted that Eddie Van Halen wanted respect to go along with his gargantuan fame, and Roth wasn't willing to play. So this is pretty much, bizarrely enough, Sammy Hagar, the former Montrose lead singer who had carved out a successful solo career, was ready to play, possibly because the Red Rocker was never afraid of being earnest, nor was he, af- was he afraid of synthesizers for that matter. So... Um, he gave it a pretty much a good review um, for that. And then Tim Holmes of the Rolling Stone magazine rated three out of five stars. He noted that when I w- it was announced that Van Halen had completed its talent search and the new voice was Sammy, I can't drive 55 Hagar. The response, even among hardened DLR detractors, David Lee Roth tended more toward a be- bewildered, huh? Montrose, what? Then resounding Hasanas, Huzas, and what a good ideas. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on 5150, Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar speak each other's language. So there's the connection right there. So these rock critics who, uh, this was at Rolling Stone at the time, um, they definitely had the uh, the inner ear or the inner workings of seeing what the bands were like. So they had a good uh, good reviews for 5150. Um, and we talked about band uh, artwork from the last one, and that's the iconic, um, you know, muscular dude holding up the world with the, was it the 5150 chain around his neck? Yeah, that's how I start my morning workouts every day. Is I pick up a giant globe <laughs> and, uh, you know, piece of cake. I think there's some meaning behind that. I think they were ready. Van Halen was f- ready for the heavy lifting. Maybe a little message in that album cover for that with the new uh, the new band. I think they were ready to take on the world. That's just my take on it. Um, just yeah, that's as, how you can look at it. Yeah, I mean they were looking for uh, for a new identity. So um, yeah, the Worcester Centrum. I remember that show, and uh, I remember fifty one fifty, and then Michael Anthony drinking Jack Daniels and his Jack Daniels guitar, and people just going crazy. It was it was like. Wow, I'm just glad I got to see Van Halen. That's all I care about. Uh, all I know is every time I would see them, I would love. I would love when he would do his guitar solo. It was just, it was just amazing. You know. Do you remember who? Uh, do you remember time. who backed up Van Halen on that concert tour? Uh, don't tell me. Hold on, fifty-one fifty. BTO. Uh, was they really Bachman Turner Overdrive? Wow, that's weird. They did the whole tour. They backed them up the whole tour. Oh, no kidding. And the reason was is because they wanted to uh, have a band that did not want to uh, uh, keep the focus away from David Lee Roth, and BTO agreed to do it, and they pretty much did all the warm-ups for Van Halen, which I think is incredible because BTO goes back to the 70s, and um, I think that's great. When you look at BTO, yeah. Oh, wow. I totally slipped. That totally slipped my mind. Yeah, BTO. Good, uh, good research. And, uh, you know, uh, there was only a few other cities during that tour that had four dates. Worcester Centrum had four dates, August of 1986. The Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey. So those are the two that I'm looking at right now. And then there was also, let's see here, St. Louis, the Cow Palace. San Francisco, where okay. the San Jose Shrub had four dates. So it's amazing wow. how Boston and that area there, I mean, you have a huge, I mean, 
to book four nights like that in Boston, in the Boston or Massachusetts area, that just goes to show you that, I mean, each show was sold out. That's it. just shows you how incredible it was. Right. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, it was new. It was, it was Sammy Hagar. David Lee Roth had left. He was gone. There was animosity. People were, you know, David Lee Roth haters and, you know, just wanted to stick with the band and, um, it had all that going on. It was their first album. It did very well commercially, right? And they had really a lot of success with that, mm-hmm. the 5150. So, yeah, that would, uh, I could certainly see why the uh, ticket sales would be jumping through the roof, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it's something about like, you know, fame. I mean, I'm not famous and we're, you know, we're just regular, regular dudes. You are now. We're You're right re- now. No, no, yeah. Van Halen podcast. Right, we're just, of course you are. We're just regular dudes. But, you know, fame, I guess fame can be intoxicating once you get to that level where, you know, people are just, you know, you get adoration and you just think that you can do what you want. And it's just amazing, you know, if they look back, if they would do anything differently, um, you know, if they would have stayed together, but it didn't happen that way. It's just amazing how, uh, you know, bands break up and then they come back and they break up and they come back and just the tensions and uh, things like that. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting. It's a dynamic that, you know, maybe is not looked into as much um, because, you know, they're, they're always looked up to the music groups. Uh, So it's incredible. I wonder where they stayed when they're in Worcester. You think they stayed in Boston? I've always wondered, like, do you stay in Worcester? Did did they have a bus or limo that took them to Boston? Yeah, I like I to no know idea. like where they stayed. If they stayed like in a, in a, a little a, a city outside or a town outside of Worcester, that would be interesting to know what they did. Like, do they hang out or did they just stay in their hotel rooms and sleep or or whatnot? So I always find that. Uh, no, I'm sure they tore it up somewhere. <laughs> you know, I would like to. I would tend to think. But man, when you, I want, this is your homework. All right, when yes, you, sir. When we get done tonight recording this uh youtube van halen uh live without a net uh best of both worlds type that in and uh they did that like did you ever see live without a net the videotape i have not seen it no well it's a videotape i'm saying videotape because i had it on vhs and thought to show you how how old i am but anyway um so uh yeah they do uh the introduction to uh best of both worlds Sammy starts singing a little bit, and whatever Sammy would sing, Eddie would try to emulate it, play it on the guitar, like the notes. Wow. With these little licks, and then they just broke into Best of Both Worlds, and they started from, if you were looking at the front of the stage, they started on the left, and went from left to right, and Eddie was first, then Sammy, then Michael Anthony. And the beginning beat and drive of Best of Both Worlds, you know, that down, 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 yep. down, down, and the drums come in and everything, and they did this walk across the front of the stage. And I remember them turning the house lights on, at the central, like I remember, like you know, just the lights are on the stage. The whole place is dark, but they put the whole the whole house lights on. Like everybody lit the whole place up, and they did that walk across. I thought that was really cool. Looked like a lot of fun. So you got to watch that. I will. I will you, watch that. YouTube it when YouTube it when we get done. I will. And uh, speaking of fifty one fifty, I'm all about numbers and things like that. So in the previous yes, episodes, are. we've talked about the songs and the minutes of the album. I'm always fascinated by the amount of work bands put in and van halen would work hours and they do shows and the albums were nine songs and 34 minutes on those albums so 5150 was nine songs 43 minutes so 10 more minutes than what they were normally doing in the previous six albums 
It was released on March 24th, 1986. There was only one song under four minutes. Why can't this be love? Three minutes, 46 seconds. Four songs were over five minutes and four songs were over four minutes. And the ticket price for one, when I went to that concert back at the Centrum in 1986, $16.50. You know what we got to start doing when we do these ticket prices for, yeah. for back when we went to these shows? Let's find out what everything else costs. Remember how you look at a list and it'd be like, yeah. gas was this much a gallon, bread cost this, it was this much to go to the movies. It was, you know? See if we can figure that out, right? I, I will figure that out. And, uh, you know, we talked yeah, also yeah, about yeah. the charts and how the album did. So 1984 was always, the album was um, number two behind Michael Jackson's Thriller. But Jump hit number one for two weeks on the billboards um, uh, as number one. So 5150 did hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart. It surpassed 1984, believe it or not. And not, I mean, I always thought 1984 would be higher in doing research. Oh, wow. So 19, uh, 5150 surpassed 1984. Uh, Why Can't This Be Love was number one on the Billboard mainstream. And then we had Dreams number six on the Billboard mainstream rock. Love Walks In number four on Billboard mainstream rock. So it definitely had some cachet. And Why Can't This Be Love was number three on the Billboard Hot 100. I remember when uh, Why Can't This Be Love came out. It was it was definitely the song that really, you know, starts the Sammy Hagar era. But I think it was just a, a perfect song to start out with um, with these guys. But, yeah, it was just interesting to, uh, you know, you see these numbers here. Rolling Stone gave the album a three out of five star and all music gives it a four out of five. So I think the transition, when you look back, was a perfect transition to Sammy. Right, yeah. Hey, great voice, you know, good songwriter, you know, musician too, can play the guitar. So, yeah, old school, the Red Rocker. So if you ever have uh, a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Summer Nights, again, is a great song. Uh, that's five minutes, six seconds, but uh, it just the guitar work and the, the background vocals um, are definitely uh, in play in that song, Love Walks oh, In. Oh, yeah, Love Walks In at the end of 5150. Yep. You know what's cool? You mentioned it earlier, the song Good Enough. Um, yeah. Not a, not, a, not a hit single or anything like that, but, you know, a good a good filler song on, on the album. And uh, um, just listen to all the little riffs that he throws in throughout the whole thing. You know, he's playing rhythm, and all of a sudden he'll just throw these little flares and little licks in, and uh, they're all different sounding, but uh, yeah, yeah, pretty cool. A friend of mine, I remember, said at the time, I remember him saying this to me. He's like, he goes, man, it's almost like he makes too much noise. You know, <laughs> like he's, he's trying to be like, you know, but it, it's really cool. So uh, I was listening to that on the way home from work, uh, 5150, so. So I have a... Uh a clip from Rockline in 1987. Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar were on Rockline. And uh, again, like I said in the previous episode, I was a radio geek. I love radio. I would listen to sports talk, news. I would listen to DJs. I would listen to just talk radio. I would just listen to the radio infinitum. Um, And I always like listening to interviews. And that's what's great about radio. You can just listen like a podcast. You can just listen... And just uh, listen to people go back and forth. So this is 1987, 
Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar are on Rockline, and um, they're going to talk a little bit about the Dream song. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and play this clip about 60 seconds long. So let's give it a listen. Uh, working Palm Coburn. Sammy, you wouldn't have any idea at all why we lost the feed from San Francisco, would you? Well, I have to tell what happened. I, the guy coming here told me that there's a lot of people trying to call straight into here to talk to us. So I said, well, let me talk to him while this other stuff's going. You know, i got to talk to my people, right? So I go pushing buttons, but it was the phone lines that connect us to the rest of the world, and they kind of shut us off. So uh, I'll, I'll leave the phones alone, but I'm sorry if I didn't get the message. Actually, he called home. He had to call his mom. Yeah. <laughs> no harm, no foul. Let's go back a song, though, to, to Dreams by Van Halen. I was going to ask Eddie about this. The, the Navy Blue Angel Flyers, there's a, a video that... that uh, it's one of the best I've ever seen, but I guess it was done independent from the band. How did that come about, and did you give them permission to do that? What's the story there, Eddie? No, they, they really, uh, all the Flyers, they really dig the song, and they, they wanted to make a video, and they asked us if they could use the song. We said, sure, go ahead on. And uh, funny thing is, they're threatening to take me up in one of them planes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to eat lunch before that. Yeah, oh, I'd, go in, wheel, guys. I'd go in two seconds, man, I tell you that. that... <laughs> That's pretty cool, huh? Absolutely. I'd go in two seconds, too. I don't care if I got sick at all. I would love to go up with the Blue Angels. Yeah, I know you're a big, big uh, fighter jet uh, fan. You love planes. Uh, Absolutely. But I, I think that's pretty cool. Like, you know, when he did uh, Beat It with Michael Jackson, he said for 20 minutes of work, I didn't get paid. And they said, right. sure, play the vi-. I mean, they just got it. You know, they just, I mean, just in that 60-second clip, Sammy just connects. You know, Just he has that cachet that just connects they're, they're having right. fun, and uh, it's just nice to hear. Two years ago today, Eddie Van Halen passed away. It's still hard to believe, and I said this before on a previous episode that a couple of days after he passed away, it was during the pandemic, I just played Van Halen 1, and I just focused on his guitar. I tried to zone everything else out. It was incredible, just awesome to listen to the uh, guitar. And I like Cathedral. I love listening to Little Guitar. Um, you know, the beginning of that, I just wish I could put that on a loop for like six hours and just listen to that. And, uh, just right. all the other, like Jamie's crying. He makes yeah. the guitar yeah. say Jamie crying or, uh, Oh, if you listen to the song, um, right. yep. just pretty, uh, pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, it's hard to believe that's been two years since he passed away. I know. I know. Right after he passed away, I remember they were playing, uh, well, you could see it on Facebook, some of the different Van Halen groups. But they would uh, isolate his guitar, so you could you could click on it on Facebook and uh, and listen to it, and it would be like you know, Little Dreamer on you know from Van Halen in 1978. It would just be the guitar. There's no lyric, there's no voice, no David Lee Roth, no bass, no drums, just the guitar, which is really cool. And like I I, I played the uh, the one that they did for uh, I'm the One, yeah, and th- that was really really neat. So it's interesting. You should be able to still find that stuff. So if you get a chance, you just want to listen to the guitar, like the first, you know, it, uh, I forget the name of the page or the site or the, the home page, what they call it. But uh, it, it, was, it was it was pretty neat. You could probably search it on Facebook and find it, you know. Yes. But that would definitely definitely be a way to hear just just the guitar and really listen to how incredible he was. So. Yeah, just this has been a lot of this has been a lot of fun again. Yeah, it has. You know, just real quick, it has been a lot of fun. And I'm just on Twitter now. I just want to bring up a couple of things. I'm looking at a photo right here: BB King, Les Paul, and Eddie Van Halen, New York City, 1988. It's a nice little picture. I think that's awesome. 
Uh, just scrolling down a little bit here, it's amazing, like, the tributes that people give Eddie Van Halen. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I really love talking about this band, and um, the band is awesome. If you have a chance to listen to 5150, uh, give it a listen. Uh, I will promise you, you will not be disappointed in that respect. So, No doubt. So the next episode, we're going to talk about a couple more albums. OU812. Very good. And for unlawful carnal knowledge, right? Yeah. There you go. You got it. Yeah, we can say the abbreviated version, but we won't do that. Yeah, we can't do that. I want to make sure I'm not, uh, you know, speaking too fast. But uh, right. Uh, for some reason, I've I, I said the last episode O U one eight two. No, yeah, I think you said O U N eight one two or something, and I I don't know. Like, no, it's O U eight. It's all right. It's Sometimes okay. I get confused, but that's all right. That's all right. It happens. But uh, I I get confused every time I get up. So what we have planned is we're going to cover the um that album and then also uh the other one for unlawful car- common carnal knowledge. And then uh, we are going to then talk about the last album there, Balance. And then we're going to talk a Van Halen Encore episode. So it's going to be, I'm going to get another guest on here. We're just going to shoot the breeze about Van Halen, um, bring up some more facts that maybe we didn't bring up in the previous episodes to uh, kind of close it out a little bit. Um, so what are your other reflections about uh, 5150, Sean, Uh before we close it out tonight. Well, just what we talked about earlier and what you said earlier too. I mean, uh, it was a great album. What a, probably a perfect first album to come out with Sammy Hagar to come out with a new singer. Had a lot of success, a lot of good singles on it. Uh, why can't this be love? Dreams, Summer Nights, Best of Both Worlds, Love Walks In. You know, it had some really, really solid tunes on it. And like you said, you know, the Blue Angels, loved dreams and want to adopt it for their song for a little while. It's a very cool video, by the way. So if you haven't seen it, Google that and look that up. And they fly the old, the little A4 Skyhawk, the Blue Angels back then. It was a uh, subsonic attack jet. Uh, couldn't break the sound barrier, but it was, uh, uh, they used those in Top Gun, the first Top Gun. So uh, Viper and Jester were flying around after Tom Cruise and uh, Iceman and those little A4s. So uh, just a little airplane stuff for you there. Yeah, absolutely, but, um, absolutely. Yeah, really. They, uh, really good album, good good vocals, good songwriting, and uh, it was good to to have Sammy come into the band. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I'll I just want to say thank everybody who has listened to uh, the podcast here, my podcast Hodgepod in with Hodgepod with Rob Fredette. Uh, you can ho- email me at hodgepodallin at yahoo dot com. We're on. I'm on the uh, Apple. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, all the uh, podcast platforms. Please give a follow. Please listen. Tell your friends about it. If you're going for a walk, driving home, driving to work, quick 30, 30 40 minute podcast here. And we will see you next week with the next uh, episode for the next two Van Halen albums. Sean, why don't you say bye to everybody? Good evening, America. Thanks for joining. Yes, and I'll close it out. Good evening, America, and thank you for listening. See you next week.